Um, yeah, ooh, hmm. I, I, ooh, I need to be, I need to be careful right now because, uh, my Adobe audition is going into the red. So, you see, um, thanks to our lovely patrons, I've been able to record the last couple of podcasts on Adobe Audition, but it's having okay. a little bit of trouble picking up, you know, the high end, the, the high ends and the low ends. It's having a little bit of trouble mixing that down. So if I, if I speak normally here before I turn the gain down on my microphone, um, uh, it might be a little bit too loud. See, I thought you were just doing like a whole ASMR thing. I didn't realize that this there was actually you know, there, a technical there's purpose. Reasons, there's reasons to whisper without ASMR. Uh, really? Because this is the first I'm hearing of them. I thought this was all for my <laughs> you benefit, know, you know, my you benefit know, people, alone. People whispered for, um, I want I want to say years before ASMR was invented, for for reasons no. not related to the tingling of the of the brain. Well, I had no idea. <laughs> It's all news to me, Will. Okay. Well, we're learning all kinds. I, of- I just assumed, you know, people were ASMRing. I don't know. When did people start whispering? Nineteenth uh, century or whatever. I thought those all those you know powdered wigs. They just loved ASMR. Is the verb to ASMR? You ASMR'd and you did ASMR in the past. You ASMR'd. I, I really. I have to be. I have to keep it one hundred thousand with you, Will. Yes. I do not know. Oh. Hmm. I, I'm I'm not much of an expert. It's just a funny thing to joke about, to be perfectly honest with you. I'm not I'm actually not sure what is the act to create ASMR content content content. Oh my goodness. Um you're lucky if you're a listener and your ASMR is me not being able to pronounce a word, that's for sure. Well, I am a big proponent of a- ASMR in that I like to watch Arthur some more. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be doing that here. And I don't know what to do that's that's episode season 11 episode <laughs> five everybody thank you thank you thank you we'll see you tomorrow uh no we are elwood city limits the uh episodic arthur podcast we love asmr arthur some more and uh my name's will young and uh, lucas mancini is there with me and we're always wondering just what i know i know what asmr is we're not actually wondering that anyway uh i i seem to have found i seem to have found a good volume i also did want to put in a plug there for adobe audition because it's been a joy to work with as opposed to audacity and that's all thanks to our patrons who have helped to make that possible (laughs) well plug for the patrons i'm sure the adobe llc doesn't need any help from us (laughs) they're not kicking us uh the creative cloud is not uh giving us any money if anything they're taking it away yeah goodness gracious no uh, well, it's good to be back once again talking about Arthur, and this is definitely a pair of stories here that deserve to be talked about in one way or another. But before we get to that, we always have a couple of steps before we uh, before we get started with an Arthur episode. The first one is that we like to go to the Elwood City Limits mailbag, the virtual mailbag. Uh, we did actually get some physical mail over the holidays, but this is all virtual mail. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. If you would like your email read on the air, we always manage to find a few in between in the two weeks between uh, Elwood City Limits episodes. And we are grateful to listeners like Casey, who just started listening to the show a few weeks ago and has loved it a lot so far. It's been fun to learn the lore of the Arthur world and be reminded of all the stuff that has happened in 2016, 2017. So a little bit of flash <laughs> in the past, right at the beginning of of, uh, of the previous presidency. Yeah, that's right. Interesting. Yeah, 2016. It's the, the far-flung past. Uh, I could barely even, like, conceptualize 2016 in my head. Uh, it feels like a million years ago. Yeah, I mean, we were both working at the same place, but, like, 
I don't know. It, this might be a tough question, but like mentally, where were you in 2016? In 2016? Yeah. Um, it's hard to answer. Uh, personally, probably in a much worse place. Yeah. Um, the world at large, probably in a little bit of a better place. So, you know, uh, that's the yin and yang of time marching forward, I suppose. Casey says that uh, she's only on episode 42 so far. I have a ways to go before I catch up, but I'm excited to listen more. I wanted to say you guys talking about Buster leaving for two months had me in tears. I hope you both are doing well. Now, I I went back and I actually listened to that podcast because I was like, oh, man, did I get like super weepy about that or something? And like, no, not really. But Casey doesn't say if it was tears of laughter or tears of sadness. So. Um, uh, it might have been Tears of Laughter. You know, that's the episode with Osama Tezuka's The God of Manga. That's we got Art Garfunkel in the in no, the that, cut. No, There's, actually, that, that's, when, oh. that's when Buster came back. We're talking about the one where uh, he left. Where he left. I don't even remember that episode either. Well, well, interesting. Maybe I'll go back and listen. You're thinking Buster Baxter. Went, I never went, go back and listen. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> it's fun. I, I like it. No, I'm, I, I, I'm I lived it. Guy. I lived it. Will. you know, always forward, never back. <laughs> Uh, we have another one here. This one, this bulletin comes straight to us from the Frensky Star. Oh, the the number one most trusted source in Arthur News. And Nicholas DeMarco, who runs the Frensky Star, wanted to thank us for giving mm, them a shout mm. out. And to intrepid j- journalist, really the Glenn Greenwald of Arthur. And to you, especially Lucas, for proclaiming them the number one Arthur News source. <laughs> Well, hey, I, I, uh, you know, I call them like I see them. Well, uh, the phony for an episode isn't my favorite either, but it's funny. You said it's due for a remake because they actually did a couple of episodes with a similar message in season 14. So like three years after the one we just talked about, except the phone has been upgraded from a flip phone to a Blackberry. Can't wait to hear your thoughts on the upcoming episodes of the season. There are some great and interesting ones. Hope you guys are staying safe. Have a great new year. Okay, so we do get we do get this concept revisited a little bit. I'm glad. I'm glad we've laid the groundwork and we can improve upon it as we see fit. And finally, we have one here, which is a direct answer to something to a to a question that we had two weeks ago, Lucas. This is uh, from Yoshi, who is, uh, uh, someone I enjoy talking with outside of the podcast as well. Dear Will Lucas and the ghost of Mike. Happy new year. Hope you're well. The most recent episode has been the only thing to successfully tear me away from the news lately. Well, then we're happy to do it. I'm here to talk about cell phones. I had my first one, a flip phone with an antenna as a hand-me-down from my dad. I received it in seventh grade when I started taking the bus to school and needed a way to communicate when the bus arrived at the stop near our house. Riding the bus in seventh grade was a harrowing experience. I can't remember if it's been mentioned before. Did either of you have to take the bus to or from school? So, Lucas, uh, busing to and from school. I, I assume Yoshi's referring to like a municipal bus as opposed to the school bus. Yes. Um, which I did uh, when I was in uh, junior high. Uh, I did not go to my local uh, public junior high. I went to a private junior high in the city, uh, Shambhala School. Um, and so I had to take the municipal bus. Um, so yes, I did bus to school. I didn't know you went to Shambhala. I wonder, there's a couple of people that I know who went there. I wouldn't, and I wonder Ooh. if you might know them. Um, I did not start taking the bus until university. So before then from elementary to high school, I would walk to school. Uh, I lived 10 minutes away from my elementary and junior high, which was a combined school. So I didn't have to get the bus there. And then high school, I kind of was nervous about taking the bus so i always walked and it was like 20 to 25 minutes uh one way but it was good it was it was like a good source 
of exercise. So I'm glad to have I done feel it. like we uh, took a deep dive on my bus experiences back on the episode where Arthur thinks he's going to be trapped on the bus forever. Yes. You know, with the squid people. Yeah. I, that might be a season one app. Season two, um, actually. But yeah, while we're talking about going back into the archives, Yoshi, that might be uh, one to check out because uh, I think I, I elaborate deeply on my bus experiences. And then once I went into university, I got a bus pass as part of the um, as part of the tuition uh, tuition. So I started using it a lot more and then I became very familiar with the bus system uh, from there on. I'll probably be using one very, very soon once again. So Yoshi continues. Now I'm a high school teacher, so I have my own cell phone policy. It depends on the class I'm teaching. My ninth grade English one is pretty harsh. First strike phone on my desk for the rest of the period. Second strike phone on my desk for the rest of the day. Third strike, phone goes to the office, parents are required to pick it up the next morning, and after that, the student cannot take out their phone even when they're allowed. This has mostly worked for me. I allow students to listen to music during certain individual work activities, so they don't want to lose that privilege. I also teach journalism, and those students are pretty self-directed. They often need to use their phones to set up and conduct interviews. As long as it's not getting in the way of the paper coming out, they have freedom. Due to COVID-19, we are currently doing school online. In person, I always try to talk to disruptive students or phone policy violators individually so as not to embarrass them. Now I have to find Mm. subtle ways to call kids out for playing on their phones or doing other strange things on camera. Do you have any memories from school of someone you were otherwise doing something weird that you... that you feel comfortable sharing. I once had to ask a kid to stop bringing his lizard to class. And then he asked me if I wanted to buy it. Thanks for reading and for bringing us some light. I appreciate you both. So something weird that you or a classmate may have done that you feel comfortable sharing. Well, one thing I, I, first of all, I want to thank Yoshi for writing in because I was looking to hear from Yoshi specifically uh, last episode because I'm, I'm uh, ignorant to current uh, teacher cell phone policies. Uh, I remember in high school, and I might have talked about this before, um, but, you know, all my life uh, up until that point, elementary school, junior high, I was a little bit of a class clown, somewhat of a troublemaker, always going up to the office. Um, but then something changed in high school and it wasn't my behavior. It was the behavior of my peers. You see, well, it turns out uh, in elementary school and in junior high, when you're talking during class, but also you, you do all the work, you're public enemy number one, just cause you're disrupting the classroom. Once you get to high school, public enemy number one are students who, for instance, when the uh, teacher says they're going to take their phone away, uh, threaten to assault the teacher. Uh, so all of, all of a sudden, uh, I went from being public enemy number one to being, you know, a, uh, uh, a prime student because nobody really cared about me disrupting the class anymore because uh, even if I'm like cracking jokes or what have you it's I'm doing all my work and I have good attendance uh, whereas some students I've seen have total breakdowns when the uh, uh, teacher tried to take their phone away and and like I said before I saw students threatened violence uh, not more than once uh, so I, that's what I was curious about what the current cell phone policy is uh, luckily it sounds like Yoshi hasn't uh, come up against anything like that um, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to put anybody on blast. I, I define weird. There's a whole manner of like high school, public high school, uh, is a box of surprises for lack of a better term. There was, you never knew what each day was going to hold. I've seen some things where, um, you know, in retrospect, I'm like, my goodness, what a strange occurrence. Uh, but nothing, you know, fun, like a kid bringing an iguana, uh, I remember girls used to bring like their rats to the goth girls would bring like their rats to school and stuff. But <laughs> um, and like they would like like 
blow weed smoke into their poor rat's face uh, out behind the school when they were out smoking weed. Um, But yeah, I can't really... Um, I've seen many weird things. I feel like we've even talked about them on the podcast. Remember the guy? I this might have been on on for the kids. Um, and usually we we try to keep it pretty family friendly. So just fast forward if you got kids in the car. But um, remember the kid on the leash? There was like the guy and and his girlfriend. And he'd be walking around on the leash at school. I, yeah. I think we talked about that in a recent episode. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. Lots of weird mm. stuff at my high school. What about you, Will? <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I sh- maybe I should have read ahead this question. I'm really terrible with kind of on the spot stuff like this, but, um, I mean, uh, we, we, Lucas and I both went to public school and I feel like we all, everybody listening is if you've been in high school, if you're currently in high school, you have the experience of somebody who, or people who I, I will be kind and say, um, don't socially adapt as well as other kids do and that kind of displays itself in in what we see as strange behavior or um you know kind of strange habits and all this kind of stuff um i don't know i kind of i kind of want to be careful with this one i i I, I agree i you know what i thought was probably weird in high school um i can probably i can usually see it from the other side or at least kind of try to these days so i can't think of anything off the top of my head if i do um i'll um i'll fi- i'll figure something out maybe i'll just get back to you specifically i, I, I got one i got one more uh, Go on. there was a kid who would wear 3d glasses with the lenses poked out every oh single day oh my god day. you had you, so like you had those a ba- old- you had like 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 in biff's gang from back to the future you had the 3d glasses kid well, so they weren't the classic like 80s 3d glasses they were like the black rimmed like like avatar like the plastic ones yeah um and they they poked the lenses out and so they would just wear those every single day Okay, well, um, I I will I will say I will say uh, in instead of instead of targeting anybody else, I'll say something kind of strange that I did, because, of course, in high school, you're trying to look for an identity no matter where, no matter where. Listen, all that aside, I was a freak. But anyway, continue. (laughs) Well, I got it in my head because, you know, when I was a teenager, I started to kind of do. Uh, strength training and weightlifting and that kind of stuff. Trust me, I'm not I'm not big at all. Mm. It's just kind of like that was a form of exercise that I discovered. And I became Listen, don't be so humble. You're a diesel. <laughs> I certainly was not. Um but I I became very um what's what's the word I'm looking for? Um uh I guess ashamed? Kind of ashamed or vascular. No, no, <laughs> shut, shut up. Uh, I became I became very um, kind of self conscious about how small my how small my wrists are or how small I perceive them to be. They're not really all that small when I look at them now, but it was very much like oh, it was a sign that I was a weakling. So I remember this is so strange. I the movie theater that is nearby me now. I went there one time and I. We have, we we have those kind of vending machines that are for toys, and so I got a like a black wristband uh, in one of those capsule toys, and so I started wearing that black wristband around my wrist, and it kind of helped to what I thought to draw attention away. It was it's basically like a black sweatband, and then I got a blue sweatband for my other wrist. So like I did that for like years in high school, and it was never like I never made a big thing about it, but it was just like man. What a, what a strange thing that I did. It wasn't like 
you know, I was wearing black sweatbands cause I was like emo or something. I wish I, I mm-hmm. wish I was emo in high school, but uh, no, it was just, it was just cause I thought my wrists look girly. So <laughs> uh, I would rather judge myself for the weird things I did in high school than other people. Not that, not to say that this is, you know, we're, we're judging anybody, but that's, that's this, the stuff I readily remember of people doing weird stuff in high school is the weird that I did to try and either fit in or get girls to notice me. Listen, those black wristbands, uh, maybe I'm having trouble picturing it in my mind's eye, but Will, you were just an e-boy. You were just a proto e-boy. Nothing wrong about that. Maybe. I mean, you've before you've complimented me when I've worn like my workout sweats to work and you're just like, man, that's the that's the look. And maybe I was just before my time. Maybe Mm. maybe that's it. Maybe I maybe it wasn't. I was just a greasy nerd. No, I was an e-boy. Yes, Yes, exactly. The early 2000s weren't ready. An e-boy and I was just in looking for my podcaster girlfriend. Thank you, everybody else, uh, for your for your emails. Uh Limits at gmail.com. If you would like your emails read on the air, or if you just like to send us something that doesn't necessarily need to be read on the air. We also really appreciate if you send us an email, please let us know your pronouns. Uh everybody who sent us one today was very kind to do that. And uh and just mark which parts of the email you want read on the air and which you don't. We appreciate that and we appreciate you. And we also appreciate our patrons. It's time to give a little love to the people who give us a little money every month and has enabled <laughs> us to um continue doing our our sister series for the kids, a PBS kids podcast. We just did an episode on Booba and there's a free preview up in the podcast feed that you can check out. And uh, we are currently doing a poll for our next for the kids episode and patrons. Remember you have until like midday Sunday or no, no, excuse me. You have until midnight on Sunday to cast your vote for the next episode. So please do. And we have new patrons, including Vinny Cataldo and JHC, JHC, a.k.a. Josh, who did that wonderful piece of art for us where uh, uh, I, I'm the bear and you're the bunny. You, you got like the overalls on. Yes, absolutely. That wonderful piece of fan art. So welcome to you two, and we really are glad you're here. We also have Died in the Wool patrons like Leanne S., John Dulong, Ian Collis, Light Relentless, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, Teresa John Griswold, Shander Lefebvre Boten, Emily K., Froppy, and Stella, who have been with us for quite a long time indeed, years at this point. So we are really grateful for you, the long timers, the short timers, and everyone in between. And that's patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits for all of our bonus content. And uh, or if you just kind of want to support the show, we appreciate that. So let's get into it. This one starts us off with Baby Kate. This episode of Arthur starts with Baby Kate and the imaginary mystery is the name of it. And we are we have the framing device of Mashed Peas Theater. Yes, Mashed Peas Theater, a reference to Masterpiece Theater. Uh, Will, have you ever watched Masterpiece Theater? Are you a fan? No. Well, okay. Well, not really. I remember that Sherlock, the BBC Sherlock was presented as Masterpiece Theater on PBS for a little while there, but I've never, no, I'm going to, I'll just say no, but I'm familiar with the, you know, with the trappings of like the, welcome welcome to Masterpiece Theater and tonight's presentation. A a guy in a smoking jacket in in a really big chair in front of a a fireplace in the middle of, of reading a book going, oh, I didn't see you there. 
And that's exactly what what baby Kate is doing. She's got her little her little suit jacket on and she's introducing us to tonight's story, which seems to involve. So we have the regular kind of crew members of Kate's um, Kate's stories like her and pal. And then, you know, there's going to be Nemo. There's going to be what Amigo. But then we also find out that Nadine is part of this kind of side series as well, which is a bit which is kind of new. Yeah, tons of implications here that um, so the, the the rules of the baby universe are that Kate and Pal cannot hear or understand the adults, but they can understand all the other animals. And now we've extended that to the uh, uh, imaginary friends, which is interesting because DW still can't understand Kate and Pal, but DW can understand Nadine. Um, and Kate and Powell can understand Nadine, but they can't understand DW. Uh, so some complex social systems going on. Uh, I don't really know. It's just, it's just interesting that that's how that all works. I don't like, cause I don't want to think too hard about it. Obstensively DW and Nadine are speaking the same language, but who knows? It's magic. There's a couple of things in this, in this particular story that I found interesting and we will get into them, especially with how it deals with, uh, uh, the Arthur Cannon, let's say, which we're digging a bit deeper into this season. So the idea of the story starts when Kate is outside playing with Pal. She's on her blankets um, and dad is doing some gardening. Uh, Pal nicks dad's wallet. They're going to uh, Pal has dug a hole and they're going to uh, plant a wallet tree. When all of a sudden there's a rustling in the bushes. I noted here that Pal uh, kind of switches to guard dog mode. And of course, he's got that kind of more posh British accent. And so he's like. Like, come out, you. We're rough. We're rough. So <laughs> I just found that a really interesting affectation. And also, a uh, fit check on dad gardening, by the way. He's looking great with the bucket hat. Good, good, good summer look. Bucket hat's still in in the mid 2000s. So very much yeah. of the time. He's got uh, the bucket hat. He's got the Tims with the socks poking out with shorts. Great look. <laughs> um, and the rustling in the bushes is. This is a new character, Trini, who is yes. Vesita's imaginary friend. This was this was a lot to take in in one go. We don't actually see Trini full on a whole lot, so it's a little hard to describe what exactly it is. Um, it is a green fairy type creature. It's like kind of a humanoid creature with green skin, or rather I should say it, it's got the long like long rabbit ears and brown hair. And it's green. It's wearing a purple suit, and it has like a crescent moon wand. I I don't know what the hell I'm looking at here. Yeah, uh, I so a couple things about this character. I like their voice. I like that they uh, predominantly speak Spanish as a first language. Um, that stuff I thought was really cool, and I thought the idea of like, oh, what would Visita's imaginary friend look like? I think it it expands the Arthur canon, like we were talking about. Yeah. Um. And I again, this is where we learn the implication that the babies can understand, um, the imaginary characters. Uh, but I agree that the character design has a bit of a a original character do not steal <laughs> look to them, where it, it almost looks over designed. Yeah. Um. There's just like a lot going on. They're wearing like a purple bowler hat. Mm. Um. 
I mean, typically, if this is, you know, thought up by a child's imagination, then it would be a little over-designed. So I get that. But it's also just, it's like I said, it's a lot to take in at one time. And well, yes, I mean, think about Nadine just kind of looks like a regular Arthur character with a cloak. And I think that's one of the reasons Nadine works is like if Nadine wasn't wearing a cloak, they would just look like an Arthur character with a funny haircut mm-hmm. that can can turn invisible. Um, whereas this is obviously just like and I think that adds to I'm talking through this as we're, we're talking about it. But I think that adds to kind of the aspect of Nadine where they always play with is Nadine real or not. Right. It's literally magical realism in that, um, you know, sometimes we're like, OK, Nadine is Nadine is just a say a, a part of uh, DW's imagination. And then sometimes it's like, wait, did she actually make this thing happen? Does, does uh, Nadine exist in the real world? Um, and I think part of, of why that works is because they kind of uh, draw Nadine like a regular character, just another one of the kids in the Arthur universe. Um, this character is just so obviously an imaginary character, just in their character design and they're a fairy. They have a magic wand um, that I think it, it doesn't work the same way. Um, but there's multiple factors at play, not just the design. It kind of looks like a Neopet in some it, sense. A, a Neopet is a very excellent. It looks like an overdesigned Neopet, which at the time probably would have been something that maybe Visita, w- probably actually Alberto would be on Neopets more than her. Um, so yeah, I didn't really know what to make of it. But Trini's not around for all that much, so it's fine. No. Uh, I do really like that she speaks Spanish. Though. Yeah, she speaks almost exclusively Spanish, and she says that and. Amigo is her translator. So she says that something has happened to Nadine. So Pal decides to go look for Nadine. Uh, we get a montage of him doing that. We get a cameo from DW's old imaginary friend, Snooter, the pig with uh, with the angel wings. That's right. We get a Snooter flashback. Um, we get. Uh, so is this where. Sorry, forgive me. Will is this where uh, he sneaks into the book bag? So eventually, like Pal, Pal is like, oh, I couldn't find Nadine, and he's wondering, like, maybe she was stolen, and uh, who could have stolen her? And DW's playing Confuse the Goose with the Tibbles, so he says he's gonna go do some reconnaissance at the Tibbles, so he decides to sneak into one of their backpacks, and Mm. he sneaks into the Omble backpack, aka Tommy's Omble backpack, which already I was like, like, I was a little bit like, okay, this it's, it's a Baby Kate episode, I kind of am not hip to this at the best of times, but it's just like, okay, we're doing like, we're, we're like putting in some genuine throwbacks to like old, old canon. And I thought yeah, that was the, cool. The, the Omble backpack is not something I expected to see anytime soon. And it had me reminiscing about a very excellent Arthur episode, um, you know, where they go to the pool and there's the evil blimp and all that stuff. Um, so I was surprised uh, these newer seasons. I continue to be surprised by the details that they go back and reference from the first three seasons. Yeah, you would think um, you would think that eventually they would just be like, "Yeah, who cares?" Like, like because eventually what happens is is that kids age typically age out of Arthur. So the only like it's not like you're leaving them in there for like the rider dies who have been there. Like for even, us, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's like I wasn't watching New Arthur at the time, so I wouldn't have. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have gotten that reference, but it's nice. I, th- I imagine it must be just something, maybe just to pop the writer's room. Um, so t- uh, Pal is taken over to the Tibbles. There is a part where like Tommy's trying to figure out why his um, why his backpack is so heavy. He's like, this backpack is heavy. And Timmy's like, no, it's not. You're just weak, <laughs> which I like that line. Uh, and he starts running and like poor Pal's bonking his head. 
So Pal does get taken uh, to the Tibbles place and he's met there by Nemo, who uh, tags along for a little bit. Again, Nemo very much Pal's antagonist. They're not mm. they're not exactly friendly, but Nemo's also more of like kind of a low key figure. He's uh, just kind of a trickster and wants to make fun of Pal, but not like attack him or anything. Pal's actually more aggressive towards Nemo. I uh, continue to like Nemo. Um, I, I think he's my favorite part of these baby Kate episodes, uh, much like you, they're, they're kind of long in the tooth with me, but I always, I like the characterization of Nemo, how he's like this like sly trickster and like how, uh, pal is like a certain type of British and, and Nemo's like, Nemo also has a very distinct accent to him, but it's not like a British one. He's just kind of like pompous. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's like, it's, it's kind of, it's almost like the Fraser accent of like a, like a posh yeah. American, a, a, a transatlantic accent. Yes. Exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, Frasier is a very apt comparison. And, and Nebo actually just definitely has like a Frasier Crane uh, energy to him. Oh, for God's uh, sakes, pal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I uh, as much as these episodes are hit or miss, it's always happy to see Nebo. And I, I do really like that character. Uh, so Nemo decides to help pal for a little bit to find Nadine, which, uh, first of all, Mrs. T- they, Mrs. Tibble almost catches them. Did you see Mrs. Tibble's giant Beats headphones? No, I. Oh, yes. Actually, I did notice this because I was thinking this would be really people always make those memes of either Arthur listening to the headphones where they're not on his ears or or Binky hearing that music and they change the music. I was thinking this would be a a good uh, opportunity to kind of um, change the music that Mrs. Tibble is listening to. It's like, what's Mrs. Tibble listening to right now? Like, is she listening to Death Grips? Hmm. Is she listening to Hyper Pop? Like, what is she into? And um. This this kind of struck me odd because eventually, uh, you know, Nemo says something along the lines of like, maybe Nadine is here. And I'm like, why does Nemo know who Nadine is? I mean, it's it's new to us in this episode that the baby and dog know who the can interact with the imaginary friend. When when has Francine's cat ever interacted with Nadine and how does he know who she is? Well, OK, so. Nadine. Hmm. This is a good question because <laughs> I, 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 we don't really know. I think in this episode, there's some implications about kind of Nadine does her own thing a lot more than we thought she did. If we're to, you know, take this episode on its own logic, um, Nadine doesn't only exist in uh, DW's imagination. She has autonomy. She's like going mm. throughout the universe. She could teleport. So maybe one time she was hanging out with Nemo. Who knows? Or maybe he's just heard of her. Nemo does seem like a little bit of a gossip. I suppose I, I need a little bit more on that one, though. So as they're looking around, Pal is afraid that the Tibbles are torturing Nadine. Yes. Th- hmm. This and, and when I say torture, hmm. when I say torture, we get we get an imagination from Pal that she's being tickle tortured with a feather at her feet. And mm-hmm. this where I, this is where I was like, I wonder if this awoke anything in young viewers. You know, this is yeah, this is one of those. Uh, usually the dream sequences are the highlight of the Arthur episode for me. This was one I uh, could not wait to forget. Yeah, it's um, you know what? It's fine. Like it's fine, but I. Uh, it reminded me of that documentary, that tickling. Do- you know what I I'm really, talking yes, about? Yes, I do. I really want to see that with I the really, New Zealand guy. That documentary is crazy. <laughs> I really want to see it. Um, so pals imagining this and then also imagining that the tibbles are going to sick their own imaginary friend 
on Nadine. Now, we don't know if this is like their real, like if this actually exists or not. This is just Pal's imagination. But he imagines they have an imaginary friend named Uncle Wormy who bursts into the door. And it's like this cyclopean giant worm that is like spewing green goo and you know, looks, it looks like a monster and it even has a UW, uh, belt buckle to let you know that it's uncle wormy mm. thoughts on uncle wormy. Will, how did, how, what did you think of uncle wormy? It's, it's fittingly disgusting for something that the Tibbles would claim. Um, but of course we don't know if it's, if, if <laughs> I really like the really name uncle wormy, like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, 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 it reminds me of Dr. Worm that they might be giant song about the worm learning to play the drums. There's okay. something cute about uncle. I'm uncle. Wor-. Like I think uncle is already like a funny word by itself. Um, I like and I, paired I, I, with wormy. It's, it's fun. I do like how it was probably like, let's just think of this. We just need a one note gag for something that we'll probably never come back to. What's like the, what's like the grossest thing that the Tibbles like, what would be a, an imaginary friend for the Tibbles? And it's like this hideous monster that eats other imaginary friends. And so it's like, that's, but, but that's who cool. also has a brother who had kids. <laughs> yeah. Uncle wormy, uh, pretty weird Dare- looking. And Dare I say before we're, uh, uh, you know, before evidence is placed before us saying otherwise, Uncle Wormy is throwaway character of the week. Um, now, if he shows up in another episode, that status will be revoked. But until right. then, he's he's interim uh, character of throwaway character of the week. Um, as Nemo and Pal are searching there, they get a close call here where Nemo has to hide un- among the toys and the Tibbles kind of sees hold of him but Nemo the, is an excellent actor and pretends to be a stuffed toy and there's a brief moment where the Tibbles are like let's like let's rip him to shreds and just like well maybe it's grandma's toy so we shouldn't and I'm just like Nemo a, g- a good actor Nemo may be but I feel like you could tell the difference between a stuffed cat and a real cat even if the cat was pretending mm-hmm. like you could feel is- like like it's just like when you when you have a living being in your arms you can like feel it live um, like against you as weird as that is to say you know it's true you can feel the way it exists i suppose it's true but you remember in jackass 2 when they throw the fake snake on bam margera and he thinks it's a real snake and he freaks out well yeah but that was like a panic situation that was (laughs) true that was adrenaline taking over touche touche um, and I would think Nemo might have his wits about him a little bit more than Bam Margera, perhaps. To your point, though, it is a, this is a cartoon we're talking about, so maybe I should back off. Um, Palace eventually starts looking around in the attic here among Mrs. Tibble's like vintage dolls and toys, and we get another cameo here, a, a vocal cameo from Stanley. Is this the uh, first time we've heard Stanley speak? No, because in the episode where he was given away to Mrs. Tibble, that was the first time that we heard him speak. Uh. And so he kind of like I think we talked about it in that episode. If you want to go back, you can listen to kind of our impressions there. He had a very like generically friendly like, oh, I love Arthur kind of thing. Like if like if he had a bit more twang to it, he'd almost sound like Hank Venture. But Mm. um, but yeah, really here he he sounded very Canadian. Like there was a line read he had here where he's like, oh, sorry, pal, but I do the done like where? Yeah, he's. He's got a little bit more of a Smokey the Bear quality to his voice uh, this time around. I, uh, I mean, I know this is as intended. Uh, continue to think Stanley is adorable. He's wearing his Paddington Bear coat. Mm-hmm. He's just great. This was it was great to see Stanley again. 
Uh, and we get an introduction to a brand new character, uh, not Dumbo, but what was his name? Like Tumbo or Tumbo Brumbo, um, <laughs> something anyway, um, he can, something Umbo. He could he could hear anything in the house. He's he, got such good ears, even a gnat sneezing. Um, so Stanley isn't is able to direct Pal only a little bit further, but we do also find out that Arthur has gotten used to sleeping without Stanley, so he's doing fine. Although he does miss him a little bit. Mm. Running theme of this episode: kids growing up. We'll get to that later. So uh, eventually, Nemo makes a break for it. He doesn't want to be at the Tibbles anymore. Who can blame him? And Pal has to admit defeat. He goes back home and and didn't find Nadine, but it's okay because Nadine just appears out of nowhere. It turns out she was on vacation in Fairyland. So mm. again, mm. kind of to your to your point that Nadine has a form of autonomy. She went home home to Fairyland for a vacation. See, she mentioned she was visiting the Tooth Fairy and Rumpelstiltskin. Which, by the way, was did not know that Rumpelstiltskin was technically a fairy. I mean, it makes sense. Um, I thought he was like some sort of magic gnome or something. Mm, fairies, gnomes. I imagine leprechauns kind of fall under that too. It's all. I mean, listen, a, a manner of fae creatures. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The fae. Yes. The fae. Mm. They are relieved to see Nadine, and Nadine also says that she took a little bit of time off because she's beginning to realize that DW might be getting a little too old for her. Or because apparently DW hasn't really called on her very much in the last couple of weeks. So eventually we do. I, I actually I actually like this little bit of canon here. So Nadine says that DW is eventually going to get too old for her. And then Kate says, well, then you can be my imaginary friend. And that seems to be agreeable to Nadine. So I th- I find this interesting. And it's like I I, I can't say that we never do, but I hope that we follow up on this to some degree. I would love to see Nadine continuing being the Reed family assigned imaginary friend. Yeah, it's interesting because um, Kate is, I assume, a baby even in the new episodes of the show. The Arthur characters never age. Yeah. Um, but this episode is a there's a very this is a change to the canon, right? Um we Nadine had a previously established relationship with DW that is now changing due to her age. So I wonder if this is going to be something they keep to, or if it's going to be something they discard or, or bring back up whenever it's convenient. I mean, I this thus far they've actually been um, really dedicated to keeping the canon consistent. Um, so I, I I have high expectations, but it seems like it, it it marks a big change for the show in regards to DW's relationship with Nadine. I'm very interested and I'm hopeful that we can follow up on this at some point, but I also uh, won't be holding my breath exactly. And eh, episode basically ends there. We go on on like a laugh line from Cater Pal, but I didn't really write it down. Okay, so from something that is Kate focused to a secondary character focus, we're going to be talking about that more right after this. Hey everybody, it's Lucas from the Elwood City Limits podcast, and if you love ECL, there's a couple of ways to keep up with us. You can go to facebook.com slash elwoodcitylimits, at ECL podcast, that's our Twitter. We take questions on Tumblr. It's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram as well, Elwood City Limits on Instagram. Of course, if you want to donate to the show and get exclusive content, whether that's our full-length commentary of the Arthur movies, our brand new 
a bi-weekly PBS Kids review show, as well as our video game movie reviews with the Sonic movie review and Pikachu movie review. You can check out patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Uh, and that's also going to get you access to the Elwood City Limits Discord, which me and Will like to post it from time to time. And if you want that sweet, sweet Elwood City Limits merch, check out teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store. You can listen to the podcast at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and there's other podcast apps like Stitcher. And if we're not on your favorite app, let us know. And where can you let us know? Well, that's going to be at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us a question and we'll read it on the show. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to tell a friend who likes animation or Arthur or just podcasts in general and to go to our iTunes page and rate us out of five stars. Apparently, that helps podcasts out. Bye, everybody. Strangers on a Train is the name That's of this right. one. I didn't know that Jillian Flynn was writing Arthur episodes. Now, it's, it's, it's she it's the, of the girl on the train fame? That's correct. And the gone girl fame? Girls and Trains. It's that, that woman's bread and butter. Well, Girls and Trains, this must be her favorite episode of <laughs> Arthur, Jillian Flynn. Uh, because Sue Ellen is going to be going to Crown City by train with her mom. She's going to be taking the Crown City Star, which is a legendary rail line. And Sue Ellen has big dreams for what it's supposed to be. She's looking forward. She's imagining the train. She has this great imagination sequence, like one, like, quote, one of those old movies. She's like imagining her and Buster are in this black and white film where they're like a couple. Buster's got on this like awesome suit and he's got a mustache. And uh, Sue Ellen has on this pretty dress. Binky is a porter on the train. And then, Brain- oh, my God, Bink- Binky's French accent. Incredible. Also, <laughs> Animal Hierarchy, Animal Hierarchy. They have a dog with them. Oh, I, I didn't notice that. Good eye. Um, and then Brain is a jewel thief uh, who Buster and Sue Ellen are trying to track down. A, a, a literal mustache twirling jewel thief, I'll have you, with, 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 with the cape and all. Yeah, and they chase him to the top of the train, and the imagination cuts off where, you know, Buster isn't able to catch up to Brain, but then he wisely uh ducks down on top of the train, and Brain doesn't realize that the tunnel's coming, and it's like, I think Brain's about to die. <laughs> I know. I love this. This, I mean, you know me. I, I like classic movies and stuff like that. But I thought this was really well done. I thought they took an opportunity to kind of be creative with um, the way the scene was portrayed. Like we had all these shots of when they're running on the train and it's like a, uh, a totally – uh, kind of side view profile view of the action and it's it's very they whenever they do something like this they they kind of change um where they frame the stuff to make it a little bit more accurate to whatever source material they're 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 ripping off or paying homage to um and in this case they made the sequence like cinematic in a way that they they don't usually block the arthur scenes out so i thought that was really fun and i thought this whole sequence was really fun yeah, I agree. I really liked it. But there's a unfortunate an unfortunate surprise uh, to Sue Ellen's plans of, you know, grandeur on the train. It turns out the Crown City Star has seen better days. It's a little bit run down. It's not quite, you know, which I was a little bit confused about because like they they don't make it look that nasty. Like, I don't know if, if, if I mean, if you're expecting this grandiose like 1920s train. Yes, it's disappointing. But like 
you're still on a train. Maybe this is coming from someone who just doesn't ride trains that much. But anytime I've been on a train, like when I took the train to Montreal, it was about this level. And I thought it was great. I was like, wow, this train's awesome. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I've also only been on a train a couple times in my life. This this episode actually made me wish I could go on a train trip somewhere. But it's not exactly the time for that right now. Mm, no, not in the cards. <sighs> Maybe post pandemic. That'll be that'll be our big journey somewhere maybe we'll go to montreal uh so yeah sue ellen's a little bit disappointed it's yeah like you said it's not like a heap on wheels or something it's just like it needs a little bit of love it needs a little cleaning needs some things to be replaced it's just kind of getting on in years as the conductor uh tells us so sue ellen is looking forward to hopefully meeting someone her age on the train (laughs) which i wrote uh i i mean they they clarify that it's her age later on but she says, I hope there's someone fun to talk to on this train, to which I wrote down psycho behavior. <laughs> I was I, I, I was kind of thinking the same as you, because I was like, who goes on to a train to talk to people? Are no, you no, nuts? Un, yeah. Unhinged. Unhinged. Yeah. Um, this reminded like <laughs> me, actually, of a story of when I was on the train to Montreal. Oh, go on. I forget, I, I forget the guy's name, but there was this guy, you know, you got to understand that's a that's a train where you have to like literally like sleep. Right. Like it, it's it's yes. a uh, a long train ride. Did you have a sleeper car? Uh, no, I was like, just like sleep, sitting, sleeping in my seat. Okay. Uh, but there was this guy, um, who was sitting next to me and he was wearing motorcycle dro- gloves, motorcycle gloves, like inside in the train. And he wouldn't take them off even when he was using his laptop. Right. Um, and he was like, you want to watch a movie? <laughs> and the <laughs> movies he had, I swear to God, the movies were ha- he had were jumper and push. If you remember, yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, uh, both those movies. Uh, and I said, "No, I'm good, man. I'm okay." Uh, and he watched Push next to me, and then he had these crazy, um, like I think they were from India, these special like India corn nut spiced snacks. Okay. Um, and he like offered me one of those, and I was like, I- "I'm all good on those as well, my friend." Um, and then in the middle of the night, he like I was like dozing off. He kind of woke me up because he was like, "Hey, look at that." And across the hall, there was a girl who had an open water bottle and she was sleeping. And the open water bottle looked like it was about to tip off and fall on her. It's like, that's crazy, huh? And I was like, I, I guess I'm just trying to sleep. This but you is- know what, Will? I uh, I woke up the next day and he was gone. He, I never got to say goodbye. This uh, is th- that That is so rude. I can't believe that. Just like. How about you shut up and let me live my life? I guess that's just my worst At the time, I thought that too. But now when I look back, I'm like, I always wondered what happened to that dude who was wearing motorcycle gloves and was watching Push, uh, offering to watch it with me. And it was definitely like a cracked version of Push too. I saw the media file. That was not a pur- copy of Push that he purchased. That was a copy of Push he downloaded. Uh, a lot of underscores of that media file. But yeah, uh, you know, at the time I was thinking the exact same thing. Well, I was like, wow, this guy's a crazy person. But now after the fact, recounting it, I'm like, I wonder what happened to that guy. I wonder if he's off somewhere, you know, wearing motorcycle gloves. Um, what would be the the 2020 equivalent to push? Like, uh, what was that movie with um, uh, Will Smith where he was like fighting against himself? Gemini Man. Yes, I, I wonder if he's on some trade somewhere offering to watch a Gemini man with a stranger. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I guess my like when I hear a story like that, my in my my basest introvert tendencies tend to take over and I'm just like, uh, hey, could you please go away and leave me alone forever? <laughs> well, like, yeah, I, 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 with that I, being said, I was thinking the same thing about Swallowed in this episode, which which is, you know, leave these poor people. alone. <laughs> yeah, really? So she which is funny because 
she ends up so she's in it's a type of dream where they're like in kind of their own little cabin and uh this older lady just ends up kind of who she she met earlier kind of bumped into and this this older lady kind of comes in and is just like hey how's it going and sue ellen's like not keen to talk to her at first and i'm like yeah that's how it feels sue ellen meeting <laughs> strangers on a train and yeah it's like sue ellen doesn't really want to talk to her um which i thought was a little rude but whatever she's eight um she eventually kind of goes exploring for anyone her own age and she happens upon a diary property of betsy johnson age eight and immediately i knew where this was going but it's okay i'm yes 30, i knew that I'm, I'm, I'm 30 years old i'm smarter than the t- than the cartoon show go I, me. I, I i too knew where this was going in a matter of like milliseconds <laughs> yeah so as sue ellen reads we get a visual representation of betsy's diary which is kind of this eight-year-old who is going across america it seems on different modes of transportation uh we see her on like this river boat as she's learning how to play cards and fleeces some guys out of their money she avoids a bear attack in a later one and then she ends up oh, in, oh the, ba- yeah. the bear attack was at lake louise which i've been to in real life oh i missed that's exactly it, where it was that, yeah yeah because because they say I, I believe like the the riverboats in the mississippi i actually really liked this because they say like the real places that that each of these memories take place in and so lake louise is in um calgary alberta um oh. and I, I went i went there last year it's it's quite beautiful uh but I, this was like a fun little like story of like, oh, luckily they went to Canada in this story um, and there was a bear attack. Yes. And then eventually she ends up at Grauman's Chinese Theater in New York where she yeah. uh, or, put, or Los Angeles, Los Angeles, excuse me, where she ends up uh, putting her hands in some cement at a uh, at uh, one of the movie star the walk of fame pavements walk of fame thank you i was like well, how do you describe that <laughs> so this in co- of course makes sue ellen very interested in finding out who exactly this is and she's gonna try and look around the the train for her and eventually she goes back to her cabin and she finds that she has a note left to her presumably from betsy along with some salt water taffy and this kind of keeps the mystery going for her. Eventually, she is kind of poking around the train and she runs into the conductor and the conductor says, well, there's no little girl uh, who came on besides you. But we there is a story of the ghost of the Crown City star, um, which speaking of you were you brought up earlier the episode of Arthur not being able to leave the bus. This is like the little girl who, uh, you know, lived on lived on the train till the day she died and now still haunts it of just like not being able to leave the train. I uh, mm. just thought that was funny in how similar it was. And we get this little montage of the ghost wandering the train throughout the decades and we get helpful. I lo- love this, this. This is your this favorite my, part. Eh? Yeah, this is so, the, my absolute favorite part of the episode. What it, what it is, is it's the ghost. Like she died sometime in the 1930s and then we go decade by decade and we get little visual representations in the Arthur style of what of the fashions and the looks of each decade from the 1930s all the way up to the year 2000. Not even that. There's like uh, little musical stings for each decade. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's like music they've used before on the show. Like they put together these kind of little original songs or even if they if they are, it's, it's really well done where each one is like decade appropriate. I thought this was like super duper fun. 
I did too. Um, it was, it was cool because it's not, again, it's not really something that's for kids necessarily. All these little visual shout outs, like through the 1960s, you have, you know, the people who are playing sitars and wearing funky clothing. You have that guy listening to the boom box and with the tie dye clothing in the eighties. And then you have people on their laptops doing business in the year 2000. Like there was something in each little thing. I remember there was that person with the leather jacket in the 1950s. You had a little visual signifier from each one that you don't normally see in a kid's show. And I thought that that was a really interesting way to make that a dynamic sequence. So yeah, I agree. I I liked it a lot too. Um, So Sue Ellen is now very wary of the fact that there may indeed be a ghost on the train. And eventually she runs back into the, um, the older woman that she met earlier who was talking with her mother. And it turns out, of course, the big reveal is that Betsy Johnson is the old woman. And color, she, color me shocked. She goes, I read, I assume you read some of it. The shade. <laughs> um, she, she's very friendly though. And gives is very, uh, liberal with her saltwater taffy. Um, she's actually going on the train to get her diary published. It seems that she's had a very interesting life and she's going to try and make some bank off of it. But of course she is looking for some company along the train ride. She likes, she's told all of her stories in her diary about where she's been, so the end of the episode is Betsy asking Sue Ellen where she has been. So Sue Ellen starts to tell the story of of when the time she went to Paris and kind of sharing stories of her own considerable travels with her new friend. And I did kind of like this little nugget in here. It's the idea of and I and I feel like it's maybe a harder story to tell these days of like the kid who bonds with an older person over a shared love of something. In this case, it's travel. So yeah, I thought we, I, weekends, at, not I was going to say weekends at Bernie's, but that's not what it's called. <laughs> Tuesdays with Maury yes. is, what I'm, is what I'm referencing. The, the a, tale as old as time. Um, uh, yeah, so it's two people kind of crossing generational barriers with one another. Yeah. Uh, so Ellen that- goes from a ageist anti boomer, uh, to having a, a nice conversation with his old lady to a sympathizer. Uh, and that's, yeah, it kind of ends that way as we get a nice overhead shot of the train. Okay. Um, baby Kate and the imaginary mystery. Did this do anything to convince you, uh, that we should be paying closer attention to the baby Kate, uh, stories or, uh, the opposite. So, this this one I was really I got to be honest I was pretty bored by this one um like I just found and it's, it doesn't really have to be, anything to do with like the plot structure or even the fact that it's like a baby Kate and Pal episode I just couldn't stay engaged with it I kept and, and even with these imagination episodes you'd think I'd be more engaged because it's like oh we got Uncle Worm like who knows what's gonna happen because it's in it's in like this magical imaginary realm where they could do anything but I just couldn't pay attention because I was like so bored throughout the whole thing. Um, and you know what? You touched on something when we were talking it over. The most interesting part of this whole episode is the last two minutes. It's that conversation where Nadine's talking about how DW's growing up. Um, and honestly, if the episode was focused on DW and DW and Nadine and that relationship and, and DW kind of uh, growing out of Nadine, that would be uh, way more interesting to me. Um, and I think there'd be some really kind of great things to dive into and, and things to talk about in a way that like Arthur can with its usual nuance. Um, but instead we kind of get this weird, 
Um, it's almost feels like a filler episode in that, like, we get this wild goose chase where, um, Pal goes to the Tibble's house and then the thing he's looking for is not there. And then he goes home and there was like, oh yeah, I was on vacation. So the whole thing, it just kind of feels like a waste of time, um, at the end of the day. Uh, so yeah, I just kind of found it was boring. I think there's some fascinating implications for what's going to go on for going further in the Arthur lore. Uh, but as a standalone episode, I was really disengaged. What about you, Will? I agree. Uh, it, it it didn't do a lot for me as a story, although I will say this, and it's kind of a blanket statement for both of the stories that we watched. It is the little things in an episode that can, in an Arthur episode specifically, that can take it from like boring and not good to boring, but at times interesting. I've, maybe that's a little bit of a contradiction, but what I mean is we talked a lot about the shout outs to Arthur Cannon, which to me is like, that's not really for anybody but the people who have either worked on Arthur for a long time or the people watching Arthur for a <laughs> or, long time yeah. or the people with the same uh, kind of uh, psychosis that me and you have. <laughs> and uh, and and, you know, chances are, like I said, kids age out of watching Arthur. I like I absolutely did. But it's cool that like you can go back here and be like, oh. It's nice that they seem to actually care about the world that they're creating. So and and they at least are asking some questions like we talked about with Nadine and Kate and DW that I, I'm not exactly expecting them to answer. You know, this isn't like a serialized uh, or this isn't like an ongoing, you know, narrative thread or something. So I'm my hopes aren't high for that. But I at least found it somewhat interesting at parts and yeah, like the actual story structure itself, like didn't do a lot for me. It just felt very low stakes. And you know, when you laid it out all, all there, like you did, it's just like, Oh yeah, nothing really did happen. But there was at least a couple of things smattered here and there where I'm like, okay, this isn't a complete loss. And I felt the same way about strangers on a train. There wasn't as much Arthur Cannon in here, but there were some interesting flourishes to the way the story was told that I feel that only the people behind Arthur would think to do, whether it's the montage of the decades, whether it's the little movie scene that they had in the cold open, um, just a little touch like that. And of course I'm a really big sucker for trains and stories on trains. So like it had my interest and it didn't exactly keep it the whole way, but it like, I wouldn't say that it's like terrible or anything. It's just a little, it's a little simple. It's, you know, a story that you've seen a million times and i saw it coming halfway through but like i said i'm a grown man it's not like i'm you know thinking oh i'm so smart i'm smarter than the cartoon show um it just didn't do a lot for me watching it now but there were elements of it that i thought were actually quite inspired and clever so it wasn't a complete waste watching either of these well, after kind of a few weeks in a row of us kind of having different opinions on the episodes, I am lockstep with you on this one. Uh, I felt the exact same way about Strangers on a Train. Um, I actually think I might have liked it a little bit more. I, I See, it's tricky. I'm really two minds with this episode because just like you, I'm, I have an affinity for train stuff and bottle episodes and this idea. And I think Swellen's great. And so it's fun to see more of Swellen. And yeah, I love a train mystery. I loved the, the throwback opening. I like all the montages, both the montage of uh, Betsy's adventures throughout, uh, uh, you know, all over the States and Canada, and as well as um, the montage of the ghost in the decades and, and that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, I just like thinking about trains. Uh, the thing that distracted me is just how predictable the whole episode is. And I think 
and I, 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 I do want to resist the urge to be like, oh, me as an adult, I figured this out immediately. But, you know, sometimes when Arthur lays out a mystery, they do it in a way where even if you know the end of the mystery, you're still kind of engaged. And they were doing some really fun stuff with like the taffy and the note. And I kind of just wish it was a little bit more mysterious so that stuff could work even more like because the, they lay it out in a way where it, it, if we didn't know the ending, it would actually be really fun to put all these pieces together because Sue Ellen is kind of trying to do that. Uh, but because it's so, so, so obvious, I kind of found that stuff distracting. Um, so, yeah, I'm of two minds of it because I think it's a really unique episode and I, I think it's a, a fun Arthur story to tackle. But I was distracted the whole time by how predictable it was. Um, I'd probably still recommend it, though, with all that being said. And I certainly liked it more than Baby Kate. Especially for any fellow train heads out there, too. Mm. Well, thank you, everybody. That is another episode of Arthur in the Books as we continue to go on through season 11. Yeah, 11. Yep. <laughs> yes. 11. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, who? Well, I was going to say who knows what we have in store, but I actually have an idea for what we have in store, both in Arthur and on the podcast. And I'll explain by, of course, saying that we are going to be back in a week's time on Patreon for our patrons, and uh, they are going to get to hear the next episode of For the Kids. I'll tell you right now, patrons, the poll is up for your vote on the next episode. We have 24 votes in now, but we have, I'd say, almost triple that amount of patrons, so we want to get some more votes in there before Sunday at midnight. Do you want to see an episode on Word Girl? Or do you want to see an episode on Caillou? Word Girl is one of our most requested shows yet, and there are a lot of fans of it who want to see us talk about it. And there are also a lot of people who want to hear us talk about Caillou from tip to tail. Caillou just canceled at PBS Kids. Yeah. And we'll be able to take you I, through the entire journey and, of course, suffer along with that insufferable. I, 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 feel, like I'm in, I feel like I'm in Gladiator and the listeners are Joaquin Phoenix and they're either going to give us the thumbs up and we're going to watch uh, Word Girl or they're going to give us the thumbs down and I'm going to die inside because we're going to watch Caillou. <laughs> I guess we'll have to wait and see. We are at their mercy as always. And then in two weeks we will be back here for free for everybody on Elwood City Limits and this I feel is going to be a landmark episode. It's one that has been teased for years. Because this is going to feature one of, I, I would say, to date at least, the most well-known celebrity guest in Whoa. Arthur history. <gasps> and the episode is The Making of Arthur, followed by Dancing Fools. Well, I actually don't know what this surprise is, so I am beside myself with excitement. Try not to think about it too much in the next two weeks because I think that, well, I mean, I know that you'll be watching the episode before we talk about it, but uh, yeah, prepare to have your mind blown. I don't know what to expect from this person being a part of the Arthur canon, and I feel like we're going to be talking a lot about what's to come, so I'm really excited. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into Elwood City Limits. As always, we appreciate the emails. We, we appreciate all the nice messages on social media. We appreciate you sharing the show with friends. And we always appreciate uh, the ability to take you away, as Yoshi said, from all of the uh, bad news that's going on lately. And hopefully better news is on the way. And we will keep it up with the podcast here. My name's Will Young. And for Lucas Mancini. Need a stepladder, Poochums? We'll see you next time.